When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Another edition of Letterman Live, breaking down Ohio State versus Michigan State. The preview, the key matchups, everything you need to know, get you set for Buckeyes and Spartans. Maybe a little uh, Bants, maybe a little fun on the side, maybe a little uh, sign talk. Who knows uh, where this week will take us with Andy Backstrom on the other side of that screen. Andy, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be home after, what, three of the last four weekends we were on the road. I, I think we feel it, too. It's not just the players, but... And we don't always get to fly. So it's nice to be back in Columbus for another weekend. Two straight weekends at home before the game on November 25th. I'm sure everything we talk about today will be within the lens of that game coming up in just, I guess, close to two weeks now. Uh, So that's incredible to think about. Yeah, it it is. Uh, Just as the season winds down, usually it's like you start to get, I don't know, like, sad about the season coming to a close except for when you're at Ohio State where it's like no everything is just ramping up to one moment and that is a lot of fun but it's also like it's a lot man like it's a lot I don't know I, I don't feel pressure but at the same time I feel pressure to make sure that we're doing as good a job bringing the coverage um and and gearing it toward that Michigan game without like looking too far ahead and not covering Ohio State Michigan State and Ohio State Minnesota and even last week's Ohio State Rutgers but like I don't know. Everybody wants to know, like, can this beat Michigan? Can this work against Michigan? Well, they did it against Michigan State. Can it work against Michigan? Like, everything is just so turbocharged for November 25th. Well, there's still – we don't know about this offense. Like, I feel like these next two weeks are going to be key for evaluating if this offense can take it up a gear. And I think that's been what everyone's been watching recently is can Kyle McCord play a turnover-free game because that's what requires him to grade out as a champion at Ohio State. And can this Ohio State offense just score, you know, 35, 40 points without having that three and out in the first half or the turnover that makes you question what is going on with this offense that we're so accustomed to seeing just smooth sailing? And so these next two weeks are a test for that against defenses. You know, Minnesota's defense is pretty good, but this Michigan State defense is, is not as great. And so it's, it's a test to see if this offense of Ohio State's can catch up to where the defense is. I agree with that. And that's a uh, great, great thought here. We need to focus on MSU right now. Yeah. Uh, first question from the chat, Andy, are special teams and special teams need to get their act together. Not really a question, but let's talk about it because Ryan Day talked about it. He was asked about it, making a change of special teams coordinator. Not going to do that. Parker Fleming staying in that role. Ryan Day said he's a great teacher and a great coach. So don't expect anything to change with the special teams other than maybe the performance. The book guys, feels like they're understanding that there's issues. They feel like they know there's some problems there. Uh, Ryan Day said communication has to be good. Every coach is involved. Um, he's saying the right things, Andy. Um, it's just a matter of execution at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean, every week there's something that comes up. And I think when that is a pattern, you know that it comes down to discipline, coaching, which is just weird because this program has prided itself on special teams. And we've seen guys like Xavier Johnson 
rise up to earn playing time. I mean, Jermaine Matthews even was playing on special teams before he filled in for Denzel Burke, a cornerback this year. And you have to imagine his play on special teams is a reason why he got that shot against Purdue in that game to step in for Denzel Burke. So special teams is so important to this program. That's why they have a coordinator position. Not every school has a special teams coordinator. Ohio State does. And Parker Fleming is someone, as you said, you know, Ryan Day said that he sees him as a great teacher. And when he talks to us, he explains things very well. He's actually a joy to talk to uh, for the media. But clearly this pattern that is developed of a mistake pretty much every week is unacceptable. I'm sure they would say that as well. And whether it's the botched long snap against uh, Maryland, which is purely execution, or something like last week against Rutgers, which was seemingly communication error of not knowing what should be happening, whether the ball should be kicked for a punt or ran as a fake, there's just been way too many problems so far. And problems that will really bite them in the butt if they can't get them fixed in Ann Arbor. Yeah, yeah, because uh, one – one special teams area against Michigan could bite you. The, the problem that I see with that notion, Andy, is this defense has been so good this year that unless the special teams gaff is a touchdown, and it could be, like it's hard to see a team taking full advantage. And I thought it was going to bite them against Michigan State I, or against Penn State. I was incredibly critical of the play against Penn State, almost to the point where I had people, and maybe rightfully so, talking to me in the YouTube comments, talking to me uh, you know, on a message board, the Letterman Lounge, go to that right now, $1 for your first month. It's a great deal. Get you through the Michigan game. About how that was more of a fluke than a special teams error, and I said, well, these things add up. Well, against Penn State, probably the best team they've played this year, you could take take Penn State, uh, and I would listen. You could entertain the idea of Northwest, or Northwestern, geez, Notre Dame, and I would listen. Um and it didn't bite them in that game because the defense stood tall. So, like, it's a it's a hard conversation to have because, yes, these special teams have to be better. But as long as the defense is playing this well, you can't just expect the defense to bail you out. But as the old saying goes, you are what you are at a certain point in the season. This defense is what it is. And this defense continuously does things that we don't expect it to be able to do. So at some point, we kind of have to acknowledge, like, hey, maybe sometimes the special teams are not going to be great, but the defense is going to pick them up just like the defense picked the offense up. Yeah, the red zone defense has been incredible for this team. We saw that against Rutgers. That's where really where that game was won was the red zone for the offense and for the defense, finally converting on all their trips offensively against a power conference team for the first time this season. But then defensively, buckling down, just it seems like whenever they have their back against the wall, this defense rises to the occasion. Ryan Day calls them four-point plays, and that's for the offense turning what could be field goals into touchdowns and for the defense turning what could be touchdowns into field goals. And we saw that against Rutgers on Saturday. We've really seen that all season. And I think the question is, you know, Jack sort of pointed out, like they got kind of lucky sometimes this season with some missed field goals. Purdue game comes up. Notre Dame game comes up. Uh, there's been times where there have been missed field goals that have made this defense look a little bit better than they are. I mean, they're obviously elite at this point. You can say that. But you can't keep counting on a defense to bail you out in those situations, especially in a game like special teams when you can kind of control things, like you can have a clean game and you can control that. Yeah, I would say it was a bit of a fluke against Penn State with that muff punt. But even Ryan Day said himself that Jaden Bauer can be calling out that and basically point out, hey, you know, I think that was Lorenzo Stiles Jr. at the time. Call it out to him and communicate that, that the ball is landing where it is. So, like, there are certain things that are coming out of the mouths of coaches 
and not just us and saying that needs to be better. So there, there clearly is not much wiggle room on special teams because they drill it so much throughout the offseason. I don't know how much wiggle room we should really be giving them anyway. I would completely agree with that. Good question here from Andrew. When will we get to the point where both the offense and the defense are good? I don't think we're as far off as some people might think. And that's one of the big things I wanted to talk to you about, Andy, as we go through Buckeyes who need to step up and keys to the game. Um, This offense against Rutgers, I think with one caught pass that was dropped, would have looked and felt so different. Um, than the conversation that we still were having about this offense. Um, in my opinion, and if we disagree, then I think it's probably going to be better for the show, but I'm not sure if we will. <laughs> um, if G. Scott catches that pass on third down, you don't have the fake punt that's not supposed to be called. Rutgers doesn't get the field goal uh, that almost really gives them the lead there in the, at the end of the first half. You were talking about a completely different offensive effort because that drive looked good. And Kyle McCord was starting to put some things together and, and he looked comfortable on the ankle and and he looked confident in the pocket and, and all of the things you wanted to see from him, they looked good. And then the, the G Scott drop happens and then it starts to tail off a little bit. And they go back, they go back out there, three touchdowns on four drives in the second half. You look good again. Uh if Ohio State has 14 at the half instead of seven, or has 20, or you know, even 10 at the half instead of seven, I think we're probably talking about it with a little bit different tenor because. I thought McCord didn't look as bad against Rutgers, and I thought the offense looked pretty good, especially in the second half uh, there in Piscataway. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's initially everyone was like, that wasn't a great game from Kyle. Uh, you look, the stats, they're good. Um, highest completion percentage of the season, lowest passing yard total, lowest average depth of target. But again, as was talked about this week and after the game, that was a byproduct of the defense they were facing at Rutgers that was playing with a too high shell. The safeties were 20, 25 yards back and kind of preventing anything downfield. But I will say that it's hard to say that, well, if they just had that extra touchdown in the first half, they would have done the same thing in the second half. I mean, part of the reason why they've been so good in the second half is because they've had to be so good in the second half offensively. So I wouldn't just say that, like, oh, you can just add a touchdown there and then this would be 42. You mean you never really know what they would do in the second half if they did have a fast start. So, I mean, I think this this offense can catch up. For me, it comes down to something that Ryan Day said this week. You know, like, well, we're, we're leaning on the running game more than we did in years past with C.J. Stroud, and we're trying to establish that. And that takes time in the game to establish. So you're wearing down an opponent, and that's why you're seeing these – that's one of the reasons why you're seeing these second-half surges is because that's when the running game starts going. I have a question about that because at a certain point, you know – is that the kind of philosophy you want to have against Michigan where you really can't probably afford a slow start, uh, you know, in that kind of game. So I do think that at a certain point, they're going to have to be taking more risks, throwing the ball around a little bit more in the first half. And they did that to a certain extent against Rutgers, but that was all short, medium stuff because of the defense Rutgers was playing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I, I still think that this offense is not as far off from being really good, um, especially with Trayvon Henderson getting going. The offensive line looks like it's playing better, especially run blocking. Like It just looks – I wrote this about this on LetterManRoe.com, I believe, on Wednesday. Like It just looks cleaner right now, um, and that's a good sign because the more that you can get that going before the Michigan game, the better. You're not going to be able to um, generate your own confidence on November 25th. You kind of have to ramp up to it. Like with, with, with 110,000 people screaming at you, 
Uh, and they're not going to be nice, I promise. Uh, Michigan State game and the Minnesota game are very important to build a lot of confidence heading into that game, or else you're going to get, uh, you know, a, you might not have as much success in that game. So that, that's where I'm at with this offense right now. I, I think that it's close. I, I think it's, I probably think it's a little closer than a lot of other people do, but we'll see. Yeah, I like with the run game, what they've been doing with switching up, you know, gap and zone schemes. It's not the same every game. It feels like, they're doing a good job of diversifying things like Purdue game. We saw a lot of gap scheme running. Uh, we saw it again in the Wisconsin game, but then you look at the Rutgers game, it's a, you know, they really rely on that zone blocking, which worked particularly well. So I think they're doing a good job of mixing things up while simplifying things. And then those linemen are seeming to, you know, hammer home a little bit more on their assignments than they were at the beginning of the season. So I just think that they're doing a better job of game planning. And I think that the linemen are doing a better job carrying that out. And that is all going hand in hand with Trayvon Anderson coming back and, of course, being healthy for what seems like the first time in a while. Yeah, Trey's uh, re-emergence, I guess, has been just a revelation because this run game didn't look great. And now you add that level of a back in, and it's given, I think, in my opinion, the confidence that the offensive line needed that it can go out there and do it. And it's in that from the offensive line is giving Trey more confidence to lower his shoulder and do things that he wasn't doing before. And now he's healthy. And it's a, it's almost like a snowball effect, but in a good way of like, everything is starting to come together for this running game. And it's like, man, if you can just get the passing game going and that's where we get into Michigan state game, because I do think this is almost like the perfect week for Ohio state to get that pass game going. I don't think that Michigan state's pass defense is just horrendous, but I also don't think it's very good. And it's it's I would say that the best way to describe it is probably painfully average. I think it actually is a better secondary than what CJ Stroud faced the last two years. But still, I think there's opportunities here, Andy, for Kyle McCord and this offense to start to get on a roll in the next couple weeks before the Michigan game that starts on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing. You look at this Michigan State team, uh, there's really three reasons why they're three and six. Well, I mean, there's the umbrella item, which is of course Mel Tucker getting fired and that whole scandal and controversy and, and that doesn't help your team at all if you're trying to win football games but if you're looking at the gridiron like what's actually going on in the football field three things that come to mind for me it's penalties uh they're they're down towards the bottom of the country in, in penalties per game uh, they also had 11 penalties in their previous two top 10 matchups which were losses to washington and michigan by a combined score of 90 to 7. so penalties are one thing uh, I also see turnover margin is a big issue for them. They're 110th nationally in turnover margin. And then third down conversion percentage is also down below, you know, towards the bottom of the FBS. So those are three things that kind of hamstring this Michigan State team. As far as pass defense, like, as you said, they're average. As far as rush defense, they're average. So this defense is actually not as terrible as you would think. The reason why they're suffering is because they're on the field a lot because this offense can't stay on the field because they're not converting third downs and they're shooting themselves in the foot. So I would say the passing defense, yeah, it's, it's probably not as bad as you might think, um, but that's why it's a good test for Colin McCord in this offense. Like We can't just say, you know, if they, if they light it up for 300 yards, we can't just be like, well, that was because it was Michigan State. Like, this, they have some dudes here. I mean, uh, Jaden Mangham, their defensive back, has four interceptions as cornerback. Um, that's more than the entire team had last year. They had two interceptions last season. So, like, again, as you mentioned, better pass defense than last year uh, will be somewhat of a test. Not the biggest test, but not something to write off completely.
You're on mute. Ah, man, I got the mute button again. I got muted. I was trying to make the little thing at the bottom, the ticker, and I got muted. Dang. You just got zoomed. Dang. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm in a corporate meeting. Uh, That's the thing that that I think, you know, Ryan Day was asked this week about uh, what can you learn? Can you learn as much about your team this week as you can, like, say, in the Penn State game or the Michigan game? He said, yeah, you can learn something about your team every week. And I think you can learn a lot more about your offense this week than you can your defense. I think this Michigan State offense is horrendous. And I will go on record saying that and, and be completely comfortable. They didn't even look, in my opinion, competitive against Michigan. Um, and I think of this Ohio State defense in the same breath that I think of the Michigan defense. Um, and so if that's what Michigan was going to do, and now it was a little circumstantial because it was three days after the scandal came out and, and Michigan kind of had, you know, uh, that ticked off, you know, way to play. But um, I think Ohio State has a lot to prove still in this season. And to go out and, and, and try for a shutout against Michigan State is one thing. I don't know if you're going to learn a ton about this Ohio State defense, especially as banged up as they are. But on offense, I think you're going to learn a lot about this team. And, uh, you know, the concepts that they use, the 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 way that they use new different guys, how they get Emeka Buka back involved after him missing a few weeks um, and coming back last week but not really doing as much as we expect. You know, we've come to – to expect him to do and he expects of himself. I think there's a lot to be learned from this team uh, on Saturday, excuse me, especially on offense. And that starts with Kyle McCord. Yeah, they can't turn the ball over. I mean, they are tied 74th in turnover margin right now. They have a negative turnover margin per game. So this Ohio State team, as good as this defense has been at times of turning over other teams, and you know, they've got four defensive touchdowns this year, which is tied for the most in the country. They also you know, as an offense, has been giving away the ball too much, and that's on Kyle McCord, really, for fumbling multiple times this season. Uh, interceptions have been a problem the last two weeks, and I think that they got to get through a game with zero because they probably can't afford – I don't know if they can afford one in Ann Arbor. I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Like, one could change the complexion of that game. So they need to get in the habit of playing a clean game uh, with penalties, you know, having few of those, and without having a turnover. And I think that's going to be the big thing for me. More than can they put up 50 points and 500 yards, it's can they not turn the ball over and can they be effective on third down and play a complete 60 minutes? That's what I'm looking for if I'm watching this Ohio State offense. What if they play a complete 45 minutes and it's just like done and dusted and then it's like, okay, like we're not even watching. We're spending the fourth quarter down yeah. on the field in Carmen, Ohio. Like, is that satisfactory for you? Yeah, I mean, that's like the Purdue game, right, which seems like the closest thing we've gotten to a complete 60 minutes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. At that point, we're watching Lincoln Keenholz probably. Um, <laughs> and and I, I'm excited to see that. But maybe he balls out, you know, and, and maybe they score then. I mean, there's nothing to be said about being able to score with your second team. Like, that's still possible. You can still play a six, complete 60 minutes with your second team guys and, uh, at a school like Ohio State with the talent they have offensively, you should be able to do that. So I don't know. I mean, I would say I'd be I'd be okay with that if I'm watching and evaluating this offense. If it is 45 minutes, which is great, and then 15 minutes of a – we'll see what we have with these guys. But it's got to be at least that for me. Yeah, that's, that's where uh, I want to take this discussion on keys to the game. Like zero turnovers on offense is huge. Like just – do it once and prove that you can take care of the ball, like you said, for 
That's however long the first team's in there. If the second team has a turnover, whatever. I don't care. As long as the score is out of hand. So, like, you know, if the first team offense is so efficient and so good and finally looks like it's turning a corner and doesn't turn the ball over and then they trot out Lincoln Keenholes and there's a turnover, I'm not going to be mad about that. I won't even count it as a turnover because it didn't happen with the first team when the game was still, you know, like in the balance. But, like, maybe it's maybe what I should say is, like, no first half turnovers, no third quarter turnovers. The first three quarters do not turn the ball over because if you don't turn the ball over in the first three quarters against this Michigan State team, you're going to be up by a lot of points. And you're going to have a lot and they're going to have a little. So it's going to take that kind of effort from the Spartans. So, like, if you don't turn the ball over, you're not going to give them chances, and they're not going to move the ball in this defense unless they have a very short field. And they only have a short field with by special teams error or by offensive error. And so don't turn the ball over. That's the, that's the number one key. And I promise, folks, we do not script this show. So you bring up no turnovers, and that was going to be my first key to the game. So uh, we're kind of, uh, you know, working in simpatico. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I was, you know, watching the press conference this this week of uh, Harlan Barnett, who's the interim head coach right now for Michigan State. He's a Michigan State alum, former NFL player, uh, longtime Michigan State assistant. And he was talking about how, like, he's been there at Michigan State for some upset wins against Ohio State. And he's also been there when Michigan State's gotten really close, when they were not favored or even close to being favored. And the 2016 games he brought up, you know, that was a really close matchup. 17-16, Ohio State wins, escapes with a victory against a three-win Michigan State team, three and eight. Well, they, they face a three and six Michigan State team this time. And it's, you know, you just can't rule out anyone. Ryan Day said that on his radio show today. It's completely right. Uh, there is no one, even in a night game, even in the shoe, and the spread as it is what it is right now. Um, you have to just be on your toes because this Michigan State team has nothing to lose. They're not going to probably make a bowl game. They're certainly nowhere in contention for the Big Ten title. And they have a cloud of controversy that was already surrounding this team in the early part of the season. So at this point, you just have to have your guard up of being like, Ohio State, every week is a test. You're going to get the best from everyone. They're the number one team in the country right now. And so that's all I'll say is that. Uh, expect some you, you expected some weird things from Rutgers. We'll expect some more weird things from Michigan State. Everything out of the bag of tricks. You brought up the 2016 game. I'll bring up the 2015 game. Obviously, that was between two uh, incredible teams, uh, very good teams. Michigan State spoils Ohio State's perfect season there. Buckeyes don't go to the playoff. 1998, uh, I don't know if I even am allowed to talk about it on a show that prides itself on covering Ohio State football. Uh, Nick Saban brings – a pretty bad Michigan State team into the horseshoe and beats number one un, undefeated Ohio State and ruins that season. The Buckeyes don't even get to play for a national championship that year because of one loss. And so you have to just handle your business against this team. And and I've said it before on this show. Yeah, here we go. Do not talk about 98. See, it's, it's not allowed. We're not allowed. So yeah. I've talked about it on this show, but uh, before Andy, and I've said it before, and against Purdue, Ohio State did exactly what I said to do. Um, Take care of business. Act accordingly. You're Ohio State. Act like it. And I think this is the perfect game for that. Minnesota is the perfect game for that, although you're going to be looking ahead a little bit to Michigan. Don't lie to yourself uh, for that Minnesota game, and you just kind of got to get out of that with a win. The week before the Michigan game, just get out of it with a win. But this week more than ever, act accordingly. You are Ohio State. Act like it. And so go into the horseshoe 
in a night game, a crazy atmosphere. I'm sure some of the people watching right now are going to be there and be cheering their butts off, and, and they're going to be uh, hydrating all day before the game. It's going to give Ohio State a lot of momentum, uh, you know, especially in the first half. I think that crowd's going to be pretty rowdy. Go in there and handle your business. That means don't turn the ball over. That means have a good defensive effort. That means don't have any special teams errors. Like, just handle business. And that's the second key to the game for me is just act like you're Ohio State. Be Ohio State and you'll be fine. And if you do anything else, then you're, you're going to run into some trouble because this Michigan State team, like you said, is going to throw everything at you. But if you take care of business, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that this is a big test of, like, I mean, this week Michigan State said, well, we can't beat ourselves. It's the same thing with Ohio State and more so because Ohio State has all the talent in the world to really beat this Michigan State team by 30 points. And so the question is, can you – limit penalties can you have zero turnovers as i just said you know those are the things that you're measuring yourself up against because you need to get in the habit of doing that because last year against michigan what was it turnovers penalties and then a defensive collapse of the ages but partly because they didn't take advantage of the opportunities they had in the first half so there are things that they need to get in the habit of doing one of them is just having a fast start i mean how many weeks in a row we said hey they need to pick it up have a fast start and then they teased us, right? You know, you see the first touchdown in, in the first half against – first and only touchdown the first half against Rutgers. It's a, a throw, great throw by Colin McCord to G. Scott Jr. And then after that, they don't score again in the first half. Well, they need to have a first half where they score 20 or more points. They scored 20 points against Purdue in the first half. Again, I keep going back to that game. That's probably the most complete effort we've seen. They need to have a first half like that on Saturday against Michigan State. Are you saying that one of your keys to the games is a fast start? Absolutely. Uh, I'll take a third key to the game here, Andy. I will take um, defensively, defensive line. This is the start of a three-game stretch, but also the start of a two-game stretch where you can roll depth on the defensive line. I thought the Buckeyes looked a little, not tired, but just like, Fatigued and tired are two different words, right? So, like, I thought there was a little bit of fatigue setting in with this defensive line last week against Rutgers. You saw it in the second half. Kyle Manungai got the run a little bit uh, downhill, and the Buckeyes kind of had a little bit of trouble catching Rutgers' offensive linemen a little bit. That Rutgers' offensive line, it's crazy that I'm saying this because if you would have told me 2021 when this Michigan State game was a top-10 showdown against Kenneth Walker that Rutgers would have a better offensive line two years later, I, I would – say go ahead and pinch me um but like i think Rutgers' offensive line is better than michigan state's but i also think that this is the perfect time for ohio state to get some depth going like play like i, I want to see hero canoe out there i want to see uh kaden mcdonald out there making some plays i, I want to see you know omari abor and and kenyatta jackson and and Caden Curry at times, you know, for a for a couple plays here and there, instead of making Tyler Williams play seventy five snaps, or or making JT Twinwell out there stopping the run for for sixty one snaps, like, you know, those are that's great to, that those guys can play that long, and I think it's great that Larry Johnson's trusted them this year more than he did last year to play more. Uh, but in this specific circumstance, with two games left until you get to the game, you've got to go in there after Thanksgiving with your absolute best. And you have to play eight straight weeks here with no bye. So I just think getting some defensive line rotation going is going to be the best thing for this this team right now. And maybe even that applies to linebacker too. I don't know if you can rotate as much in the secondary, 
But that front seven, I think you should be rotating a little more this week. That's a key to the game is to get more guys involved um, so you can start to to rest up for that Michigan game. Yeah, and I mean, Kyle Munning guy is one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. Uh, Nathan Carter from Michigan State is not quite there, but he's not a slouch either. So, like, th- that's definitely going to be a test. He's got 659 rushing yards this year, four touchdowns, averaging a little bit over four yards per carry. So, yeah, this run D will be – I'll be watching to see if they can kind of bounce back after last week giving up their most rushing yards all season. Um, you know, I feel like they bounced back after the Notre Dame game against Maryland. I know they had a bye in between them to kind of rest up. And to your point, uh, they didn't necessarily need the rotation as much because they did have that time off. But I'm watching to see if this run D can kind of snap back into form against the Michigan State team that has had struggles with the quarterback position all year. Uh, they had Noah Kim. He's He's been out right now. Uh, so Caden Hauser's been the guy recently. And uh, it, it just seems like at quarterback, it's kind of a little bit of a revolving door right now at Michigan State. So running back is, is probably the stability of that offense, if there is any. And so just watching that rushing offense, which hasn't been great, but it's not nothing. I know statistically it looks worse because of the sack yardage, but I am watching to see if this defensive line and the linebackers who really had a hard time shedding off blocks last week at Rutgers can kind of bounce back this time. Yeah, I would agree with that. Any other keys to the games before we get out of here? Well, with this topic, we're not getting out of here yet. We're not even close to done. Yeah. um, You know, I guess I just want to see, like, the way these injuries uh, shook out for this Ohio State team. Like, who is going to be playing? And the guys that have to step up, are they going to step up? So if we don't see Denzel Burke again, how does Jermaine Matthews do in another week starting potentially? Uh, Malik Hartford, if he has to play for whatever reason, let's say Josh Proctor can't go. Well, then how does Malik Hartford do in his first real extended action? He got extended action last week at Rutgers, but potentially getting a start in that situation. How would, uh, you know, unit linebacker, let's say Tommy Eichenberg can't go. Is Cody Simon, you would expect him to slot in at Mike, linebacker there in the middle. How would he do in that situation? I think there's a lot of interesting things we can watch with this defense, see who steps up, who plays potentially in place of other you know, players, you do want to rest up and make sure that you're full strength as close as you can be for that Michigan game. So that's a key for me is watching the guys that potentially get an opportunity to fill in for some of the injured Buckeyes this week. I'm going to take one more uh, key to the game, and I think it's just uh, Ryan Day and the focus of this team. Stay focused. Um, he has really, really pounded that this week as far as just like we are not, first of all, Kudos to them for refraining from talking about the Michigan thing. I think there is reason for them to talk about it because it directly impacted everyone on the field um, in every game Michigan has played since 2021. If this, if this all is if what is being alleged has happened. Um, and so they have reason to talk about it. It, it. it impacted them. You know, it impacted Brett Bielema. That's why he talked about it today. It impacted, um, you know, Matt Rule, that's why he talked about it this week. And and, and Brett Bielema and Matt Rule were never going to beat Michigan, but like it impacted them. And so I think there was reason, there's reason for Ohio State to talk about it as well. But Ohio State, more than anybody, should not be talking about this just because there's no reason to add more kerosene onto the, the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just not a reason. So I'm going to give the coaching staff, the players, a lot of credit because they've been asked about it a lot and they've deflected a lot. And 
they've stayed focused. And Ryan Day has talked about, you know, it's all noise and there's positive noise and there's negative noise and we have to block it all out. And he's inching closer and closer to sneaking in an eye and talking about rat poison. Like he really is starting to sound a little, uh, a little Saban-esque here with the blocking out the noise and no number one ranking. And, and we don't care about what the outside noise is. All right. And we're just going to keep focusing on us. All right. And so I, I think like just continuing to stay focused because this team has a lot of reasons to be distracted right now. Number one ranking, the injuries are piling up. Michigan is, uh, you know, a dumpster fire right now off the field. Like there are so many different things that are happening and it's just paramount that this team stays focused because if it can stay focused, uh, now it can definitely stay focused the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, with the with the teams you mentioned, like Illinois doesn't play Michigan this year, and Nebraska already played Michigan, so like it makes sense to talk about it. You got that game out of the way, or you're not even playing them this year. There's less consequences to saying something versus Ohio State that still has to play in Ann Arbor in two weeks. So it's a little bit different. I totally understand why they're trying to not say anything. I mean, even some of the players have been asked about it, uh, where they fall on it. They've all deflected, which, you know, kudos to you. Like, that's that's the approach. That's the approach. I also understand wanting to talk about it. Uh, that's why we're there to ask questions for them to choose if they want to or not. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're clearly trying to just laser in on this game. As we talked about, Michigan State has beaten Ohio State in these kinds of games before, where they really should have no business beating Ohio State. Uh, I think that this is good that this game's at home. It kind of prevents it from being a trap game, at least in my opinion. Uh, but you always have to be wary of anything that could happen on any given Saturday. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's transition here. I'm we're going to talk about Buckeyes. You need to step up, kind of along the keys of the game, but also like just some Buckeyes that maybe maybe we should have rephrased this. Maybe that's my bad on making the little banner here underneath, but like. Maybe it's Buckeyes you are hope, excited to see. Maybe it's Buckeyes you want, young guys you want to see. Just like Andy, who's a guy that's just got your eye this week? You're going to keep an eye on, see how he performs. I think for me, uh, it's less step up and more of just what do we see from him, and that's Mecca Buka. Um, you know, we, we saw him come back and play around 30 snaps against Rutgers, and it was obviously encouraging to see him back after that. Honestly, scary injury against Maryland earlier this season. You know, you kind of just hold your breath, especially watching these Ohio State wide receivers. Everyone knows what happened last year with Jackson Smith and Jigba. And you just kind of hope it's the same thing when Marvin went down against Notre Dame. It's like you just hope that they're still available for the most important part of the season. And Emeka has worked his way back, was patient enough not to, you know, rush back into things in the previous games. Curious to see how much he gets to play against Michigan State and how much of an impact he can have, potentially against a defense that's, that allows a little bit more down the field than Rutgers did. I'm going to go the other side of the ball. I'm going to talk Jermaine Matthews first. You you just brought him up a little bit. But, like, this guy, we talked to him a little bit after his interviews uh, on Wednesday night, and, like, he is a lot of fun to talk to. I'm really excited for Ohio State fans to get to know Jermaine. Um, like, we have a little bit. Matt did on the recruiting side. And and just like get to know who he is and why he does what he does and how much trash he actually can talk because it's a lot and how he backs it up and like just seeing his the beginning of his evolution from like but five star with a lot of well first of all three star guy who camped at Ohio State to earn an offer and I got to watch that and it was a really good good workout that he did and got that offer and turned that into 
five-star status with on three because he was so good his senior year. And now he's turning it into production as a freshman. And you expect him to turn it into All-American and first-round draft pick. And, like, the sky's the limit for him. And I feel like we're seeing the beginning of that right now. And so i am really got my eye on Jermaine Matthews as just a guy who continues to get better um, in quick order here. Yeah, he's got to continue. I mean, that's the thing that Ryan Day always says. He he talks about how competitive Jermaine is, and he, he gives him his flowers. But then he also says, we just got to keep seeing him, keep seeing him. Because Denzel Burke was great as a freshman, and injuries and everything's gotten away of a sophomore year. He's had a great resurgent junior year. But, you know, just because you have a, a strong start doesn't mean it will continue. So I definitely agree with your point. We just got to keep seeing it. We got to see if he uh, can continue it. Uh, I'm definitely going to go the same side of the ball, stick with defense. And I'm going to say uh, Cody Simon, just because I mean, Tommy Eichenberg is the toughest guy that any of us have seen on the football field or any football field. At least I think you would agree with that. Uh, yeah. If he can play on Saturday, he will play. Uh, but I think they're also going to try to make sure that they don't risk anything that could, could be worsened. You know, they need him for that Michigan game. They need everyone they can get for that Michigan game. So if he doesn't play, I would expect Cody Simon to slot in at that Mike position. And even if, Tommy does play. Cody Simon has had, you know, close to 40 snaps the previous week against Rutgers. So it's, it's, you could definitely see him playing 25 to 50 snaps against Michigan State. And I really like the way Cody's come on this year for this team. I like his attitude. Uh, He's never really kind of complained about how many snaps he's getting. Uh, He knows what the situation is with Steele and Tommy ahead of him. And I think that he does his job extremely well. A lot of those three and outs come when he's on the field. So I'm definitely watching for Cody Simon this week. I'm going to steal one from the uh, from the commenters, from the YouTube crowd. Uh, Carnell Tate, I, I'm i not just doing this. It's still Tyler's answer. Tyler, thanks for watching, man. Uh, but, like, Carnell, he just keeps coming along. He, he keeps getting better. And I asked Ryan Day last week during the lightning round on Wednesday night, like, you know, has his has his playing time kind of plateaued or do you see even more of a workload for him not in like a you know is he not going to get any better but like he's playing 40 snaps he's kind of split in time right now with julian Fleming. like do you see his playing time even increasing and he's like everything that we're doing right now is continue ramping up carnell tate and it was kind of a non-answer but it was also enough of an answer where it made me think like hey they're going to keep pushing with this guy because they know that he can help them beat Michigan. He can help them win a national championship as a true freshman. And I thought for a while that, that what Marvin Harrison Jr. said um, about him was kind of lip service and just like, Hey, he's better than I was when I was uh, last year. He's better right now than I was last year. And so that's impossible. You had 1200 yards receiving last year, Marvin, you got robbed from the Blitnikoff award. But like now that we're seeing Carnell play more and more, and you're hearing a couple of comments from people in the Woody, when you have conversations, you know, on background or, or just, you know, in, in the distance, with not, not with the recorder in their face, like you're starting to get the sense that they really think Carnell can help them. And so this, this could be the start this week of something really good for, for 17. Yeah, totally agree. I do think that's, Important to mention as well, though, that you know Julian Fleming catches haven't really been there this year. He's had a few drops, but man, he is one of the best run blockers, if not the best run blocker outside of the offensive line on this team. And yes. I think you even put him up with some of the the offensive linemen. Like he is a very good run blocker. There have been times in this season where he's made touchdowns happen several times this season. And also, they still wouldn't be undefeated had he not had his uh, his catch on fourth and seven against Notre Dame. That was extremely clutch. So 
I agree. Cornell Tate deserves more snaps, should play. But let's also not forget that Julian Fleming is more important than the box score would indicate for this Ohio State team. Um, I got to go with Colin McCord, though. I mean, if we're talking about people who need to step up, every week he needs to step up. That's the reality of being the quarterback at Ohio State. And more so now than ever, he needs to continue to get into a rhythm. He needs to continue to find success in the first half. And everything, as we said, is building towards the game against Michigan. And you need to have kind of a mojo going into that game. And I feel like right now he's close. and He's he's definitely, like, getting there in terms of his decision-making. I felt like he made all the right decisions against Rutgers. You know, the one interception he threw, he just didn't layer it properly. But that was still a fine decision that he made. So I felt like, as opposed to the Wisconsin game, where he maybe didn't need to throw it where he needed to. It's some like, I mean, the interception he had rolling to the right, forced the pass there. He's had other passes this year. He's forced. I didn't feel like he forced anything against Rutgers. So that's good. Now you need to take that into another matchup and execute better. You know, he also underthrew Marvin Harrison Jr. down the sideline in the first half. So there are times in which he's piecing these things together. He needs to have a complete game. And it's about time we are nine games into the season, game 10. He needs to deliver one. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. against this uh, Michigan State defense, four touchdowns, 536 yards passing, 74% completions. Uh, J.G. McCarthy against this Michigan State defense, 80% completions, 357 and four touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, Even a guy like uh, Ethan Kalik-Manis from uh, Minnesota, 63% completion, 200 yards and a touchdown. Um, The better quarterbacks that they faced, and man, I might be the only person in America that's put Ethan Kalinick Manis in the same conversation as J.J. McCarthy <laughs> and Michael Penix, but we're talking very specifically about Michigan State here. Three best quarterbacks on the schedule. They have carved this Michigan State team up. And I'll even lump in uh, Talia Tungavailoa. I don't think he's very good, um, but he's probably one of the better players they face. 58% completions, but 223 yards and three touchdowns, only one interception. So, like, the best quarterbacks have had a lot of success against this Michigan State defense. The 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 stats are a little misleading because the, the worst quarterbacks have been pretty bad against this Michigan State defense, but the good players play well against this this unit. And so I, I, I like that. I think you need to see something from Kyle McCord, especially against this secondary, that, that can turn you over. And so, uh, you know, like we've talked about all episode now, take care of the football, um, and I think you'll be all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go way off the wall here. Uh, the equipment staff, we're getting new uniforms. So uh, Buckeyes, you need to step up as the equipment yeah. man. Like, uh, are you excited to see these grays? I, there's some, I figured we had to talk about it at some point. It's, it is exciting. I, I think these are the the cleanest of the alternate uniforms we've ever seen at Ohio State. I like them better than the black, the all-black uniforms. What do you think? Yeah, I like the all-black uniforms just because, like, night game, atmosphere. I don't know. There's something clean about it. But I think these are sweet, too. I, I think that my favorite part is that the, they blend in well with the helmet. And I think they stay true to the tradition, what this program tries to do with its uniforms. And, um, you know, sometimes alternate uniforms just go off the walls of getting a little bit too crazy or innovative or whatever. But I think this one is a clean twist on, on what they had been doing already. So I'm excited to see it. All the photos they put out have been, have been sweet so far. Yeah, they're they're shout out to CJ Barnett, first of all, for proposing in those photos. Everybody was trying to figure out in the summer who that was. It was CJ the whole time. Uh, but now they re- released the photos of Marvin in them. Um, I'm 
I think they're going to look sweet, especially under the lights. If they were doing this game and and we had big noon or something like that, maybe maybe I wouldn't be as crazy about it. But but the, the light gray with the traditional with a lot of traditional t- turns on it, like you said, a little bit of a twist to what we're used to. It's it's pretty sweet, um, and uh, I think I think it's going to be really cool to see. Um, last thing before we get to the college football slate, we get to talk a little, maybe we even talk a little Michigan Penn state. We'll talk a little Michigan, maybe, uh, if we want to dive into those waters, but I don't know how much, what your appetite is for that Andy on a Thursday night. Um, is Michigan state going to compete? Because I saw a Michigan state team that to be honest, like you watch that Michigan game and there were times where I was like, this team, I just don't think has it. And I hate to say that about a team because college football players who are, who have, put everything on the line for months and months to go out there and do their thing. And maybe Michigan state was just trying its best and Michigan was just that much better. But like, is Michigan state going to compete with this Ohio state team? Because if not, I think you're going to see something sad in the horseshoe. And if so, then you're going to have some fun in the horseshoe because it might be a good game for a while. I think Ohio state will end up pulling away, but does Michigan state come out and compete? Cause when I saw him against Michigan, it just didn't happen. Yeah. I think what's tough about programs like this is that, you know, when you have an incident happen like they did with Mel Tucker, it kind of just takes a lot of wind out of your sails. And I think that when people look at the record of a team like this, they may just assume, well, what happened to Michigan State outside of that? You know, where's the talent? Well, they actually have a lot of talent on this team. And, you know, I look at the skill positions and, you know, you're looking at Montori Foster Jr., pretty good receiver, 436 receiving yards this year. Uh, they're missing Trey Mosley this week, another wide receiver, but they're getting Malik Carr, their tight end back. He has 201 yards receiving this year. They've got some players that, that can make some highlight real plays, can be a factor in this game. I already mentioned Nathan Carter, their running back. Uh, and Caden Hauser is kind of, I don't know, showing a little bit of something at quarterback um, coming in for Noah Kim. And, and so I think that there are some pieces here, and it, it's not just that, you know, they are coming off a win, too. That's the most important thing. They just snapped a six-game losing streak. Sometimes those losing streaks start and they snowball, and they just never end. I mean, they could have very well ended with two wins in this season. Well, they got a third, and that does a lot for an interim head coach in Harlan Barnett. There's a lot for a program that's trying to get the monkey off of its back, which was all that controversy. So they have a little bit more life coming into this matchup, and they're going to get up for a night game, too. So I think that they will compete, and that puts all the onus on Ohio State to respond and to not get caught sleepwalking at a, you know, at a nighttime matchup, prime time for this matchup with Michigan State. I know it's tough because they have to play in the Big Ten East because they're just in the Big Ten East, right? But the schedule for them is like at Ohio State, at Indiana, then home against Penn State, and they move that Penn State game to Ford Field. So, like, you're ending the season with some tough, tough matchups here because you're at Ohio State, you're at Indiana, and then you're not even at home in your finale against another top 10 team. And you've already played one, two top 10 teams. Like, it was bad enough that you fire Mel Tucker the week of the Washington game when you're playing a top 10 team that you expected to be able to compete against when you guys scheduled that game. Then, to make matters worse, Michigan is what we thought they would be, top 10 team, rivalry game. Ohio State is what we thought that it would be, top 10 team, uh, pseudo rivalry, Big Ten East rivalry. Michigan, and then the Penn State game gets moved, not even so you're at home anymore, and you stink. So, like, 
it is just a brutal schedule. I don't know if any other team in the country has played four top 10 teams in a regular season. Um, but Michigan State drew the short straw and had to do that all without its head coach who uh, couldn't keep his hands. Well, he was they were to himself, um, but like couldn't couldn't keep it together to to coach this team. So, like, I just it's crazy, man. Like, like what a schedule for them. Yeah, it's a gauntlet. Uh, they had a stretch of three out of their four on the road, similar to Ohio State, but that also, you know, coincided with yeah, that was they played Washington, then Maryland, and then at Iowa, at Rutgers, against Michigan at home, and then at Minnesota. I mean, that is just a brutal four game stretch right there. Um, then they get the win against Nebraska last week. So it has just been a tough time for that program. Um, you know, getting rid of divisions next year. I'm sure like Michigan State fans will be happy about that because they're not stuck in the same division as Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. So I don't know. I mean, I think at this point you're trying to build off the positivity. I know that's what they're trying to do. Build off the positivity of last week's win and try to ride that into at least more competitive games down the stretch for them. And, hey, they got an opportunity on Saturday night against Ohio State. Ohio State has an opportunity. I mean, Ryan Day was asked, like, what can you learn from a game like this? And he said, well, you can learn a lot. It's just different things than, like, a, a marquee matchup game, as they, as they like to call them. So they can learn a lot about the preparation, uh, obviously not taking a team like this for granted. And I think that's why these games are just as exciting and just as uh, important as all the rest. What I like to remind myself is a week like this, Ohio State's favored by 31.5 points. The total is 47.5. It says 48 underneath, but it's since shifted. Um is that like we only get 12 of these? It's like embrace them, Ohio State fans. I know it sucks when you play Youngstown State and you play Western Kentucky and you know you're going to win those games. And, and you know, even like a, a Rutgers or a Maryland, like for four quarters, like really just really hard to compete with Ohio State. And, and you expect Ohio State to win by, by 30 or 40 this week against Michigan State and by 30 or 40 against Minnesota. But like you would rather be watching a, a 30 or 40 point win over Minnesota than it be the middle of June. And you're just waiting and champing at the bit for Ohio State football. So like you kind of just have to find the joy in all 12 right across the schedule because that's how many you get we talk Ohio State football 365 days a year for just 12 occasions or 13 14 hopefully for Ohio State this year you know because we we would love to cover a national championship game just selfishly you know 15 games uh but that's all you get so like you have to just find some some love and even like the 30 point blowouts and and I do think Ohio State's going to win this game pretty handily and that's why this show has been a little more Buckeye focus, they're not like matchup focus, but like, yeah, you got to kind of find some fun in, in all of them because there's not that many of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think you made the point in one of our videos that Marvin Harrison Jr. probably has two more home games, including Saturday, and then he's off to the NFL or he's probably going to be drafted in the top three. So, yeah, he's a spectacle to watch. You know, one of the best, at least in recent memory, Ohio State wide receivers. Probably, I mean, you could make, yeah, probably ever to, to walk the field at the shoe. And, um, that's another reason just to be excited to watch this team. And and honestly, every week it's, are, you, are they going to finally put it together? And there's that continued hope. And, you know, maybe it is, like you said, at this point in the season, maybe you are what you are, but there is a sense around this building uh, in the Woody, at his athletic center, that the offense still has potential to click. Of course, they're going to feel that way. But even covering the team, you just feel like, yeah, I mean, one of these times they might just hit it big. I mean, it does feel like they're more one play away than they were at the beginning of the season when the offensive line was struggling routinely to run block when, uh, you know, Kyle McCord, some of his mistakes that he was making that didn't even end up being mistakes, but were decisions that he was not, you know, processing reads. He wasn't seeing 
Um, and sometimes they didn't result in interceptions, but they could have easily. You know, he had one interception through the first seven games. He could have had four or five. Um, it doesn't mean he was playing flawless football. I think he's been better mostly the last couple of weeks. It just hasn't looked like that. And that's kind of, you know, the thing about this offense is that I agree. I think it's close. So that's a reason to watch is to see if they can hit it, you know, if they can all fall together, the pieces in the right places. It's interesting because the last two years, 21 and 22, you kind of got the sense that they are, they were what they were. And even around the building, talking to people, like they weren't saying it, but you could kind of get the sense that they also knew that they were what they were. Um, they were a CJ Stroud led team. They weren't going to run the ball a lot. It was a lot of passing. Um, that 21 team, especially with Travion a little banged up, like they just weren't running the ball well. And like they go up to Michigan and, and it starts to snow. Like you, you were what you were at that point. And 22 last year, like with all the running back injuries and, you know, CJ being so good, they, they were what they were. But like this year, nobody's saying like, you know, we still could be the best offense in the country, but you also don't get the sense that they've kind of rested and, and understood like, okay, this is who we are. This is our identity. Let's just focus on what we do best. Like they still are pushing the envelope. And I think that's unique to this year more than the last two years. It's like they are really still like a mid-August push with this offense. And like you don't see that with a lot of teams, but they know that the ceiling is much higher than what they've hit so far. And I think that's really interesting uh, heading into these next two weeks to try to get there before you get to Ann Arbor. Yeah, and you, you probably need it. Uh, not only for the Michigan game, but also the college football playoff, they make that because we see those games every year. They're high-scoring affairs, and sometimes, no matter how good your defense is, well, that offense might just be better. I mean, people talk about Oregon and Washington. If one of those two teams ends up in the college football playoff, and let's say Ohio State has to play them, yeah, they don't have great defenses themselves, but their offenses are good enough to probably score 30 points on any defense, no matter the elite level. Uh, and so Ohio State at some point is going to be able to have to hang with those teams and they can't be having a seven point half. So yeah, I mean, not only do they want to continue to keep pushing the envelope, I think they have to, because if they want to get to where they want to get to, they, this offense needs to be better. Speaking of things that want to get where they want to get Andy, um, I've heard rumblings of something called um, the path. <laughs> um, can you Sorry. tell the, about I'll let you talk about your football team a little just for a second then I'll cut you off uh, yeah. yeah your your football team is on something called the path can you explain yeah Boston College started one and three is now six and three and they have a chance to go nine and three and potentially somehow in some way make the ACC title game but they need a lot of things to happen and one of those is UVA could help them out tonight against Louisville number 11 Louisville they need Louisville to lose a game so that is on watch tonight. UVA has kind of been a bit of a spoiler this year, and they almost beat Miami a couple weeks back. So we'll see what they can do in that matchup. But, yes, the path is BC's unlikely and improbable trip to the ACC title game. Which leads me into the degeneracy of the show. Last week, don't know if you know this, Andy. Don't know if you know this, folks watching at home. The program here, Letterman Row's YouTube channel, Letterman Live, East of the Buckeyes versus Rutgers last week, went 5-0 and on the note card. Uh, we had Texas Tech minus 2.5, that catch on Thursday night. We had Georgia Tech money line against Virginia. BC plus 2.5 against Syracuse, perfect win. Uh, Kansas State plus 4.5 against Texas, sweated that one out in overtime. And Arizona plus 3 against Oregon State. Arizona wins that game outright. We have five more this week. I'm not going to just uh, – 
you know, go five and zero, and then abandon you guys. So go make sure that you get these in because, of course, they're all going to hit. Uh, this is my first five and zero week. We've had a four and one week. We've had a two and three week. We've had a couple three and two weeks. Are you ready for the card, Mister Backstrom? Do it. All right, BC money line. We're just we're, we're starting staying there. Boston College money line. Uh, the path is alive and well. We're going to ride that path till it breaks down on us. Um, Kansas minus three and a half against Texas Tech. Let me tell you something here. Texas Tech stinks. Okay, we're going Kansas State or Kansas minus the three and a half. The Jayhawks are good, and if they keep winning, they might as well just find themselves in a near six bowl, which I think would be awesome. Maybe the Buckeyes against them if the Buc- if things don't go well in Ann Arbor. Cotton Bowl against Kansas. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it could happen. Uh, Oklahoma State minus two and a half against UCF. Um, new Big 12 teams have been terrible against old Big 12 teams. So I'll continue to ride that trend. Oklahoma State minus two and a half against UCF. Plug your nose, Andy. We're going on a trip here to the Iowa Rutgers under 28 and a half. I don't see how either of these two teams score. There's been a huge body blow theory with this Ohio State team all year. Notre Dame looks terrible after they play them. Penn State looks terrible against Indiana after they play them. Uh, Wisconsin loses to Indiana after they play them. Rutgers, you're next. What do you got? I don't think you have much. And this Iowa team definitely isn't going to score much. So under 28 and a half, I see that as like a 10 to 3 game, maybe like 13 to 6. But plug your nose when you watch it because that thing stinks. And then, last but not least, Georgia minus 10.5 against Ole Miss. Ole Miss, you are fraudulent. Um, that's the worst one-loss team in America, and Georgia's going to show that on Saturday night. Wow, what a claim. Yeah, we'll see. It's 9v2. Yeah, but uh, I, I, I think know. I would take Louisville over Ole Miss right now. So, Okay, yeah. What are you we'll watching? what UVA has to say about that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, starting tonight, UVA, Louisville, but obviously Michigan Penn State is the big one for everyone this week. And we get to watch it at noon. Ohio State doesn't play till prime time, so that gives everyone the opportunity to watch both of those games. Yeah, can Penn State finally do it? Can they finally beat one of these Big Tenies powers? And uh, Drew Allard, he kind of showed last week what he can be. I mean, we joke about how much Penn State just beats up on Maryland, but Drew Aller has all the arm talent, and it's a matter of he, can he put it into play. And, and last week he certainly did. He's going to need to make some big throws again against a Michigan team, which right, the stat is they still have not allowed a team to have a first and goal opportunity this season. I think that's the stat that's still going, which yes. is insane. So, yeah, I mean, that that is going to be a huge matchup. I am certainly watching. I think everyone watching this will be watching as well. Uh, Arizona, Colorado. Colorado is always in the conversation. I know you don't like that. but Arizona is quietly number 21 in the country right now. Um, that's something to watch if you're looking for some, you know, actually afternoon ball of action. So, and then I would say Utah Washington's on my agenda as well. That's another good Pac 12 matchup. Uh, yep. Still watching to see if Washington takes a loss for the CFP stakes uh, for Ohio State. It's something to be watching for. And uh, yeah, aside from the Georgia game that you mentioned, that's probably all I have for this week. Oh, and then Texas, you know, always on Arch Manning. You never know. I also think Texas could be on just upset watch. You're going into TCU at night um, for a night game. They're going to be uh, pretty up for that. Last time ever for Texas at TCU. That's going to be fun. And I don't think TCU is very good. But I also think Texas been a little shaky the last couple of weeks, even if Quinn Ewers is coming back. Is he 100%? I don't know. And then I'm also – I've got an eye, Andy, on uh, Alabama-Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky's that great, but Devin Leary's looked better 
this last few weeks, and Alabama just beat LSU, and, and that was a, a big-time matchup. So, like, now you got to go on the road, sleepy Lexington at noon. Uh, Mark Stoops said that that, that uh, fan base knows how to drink beer early in the morning to be loud for a noon game. I believe him, um, but I just want to see if Alabama responds well and continues to steamroll uh, opponents or if it kind of slips up against Kentucky. Who you got in Penn State, Michigan? That's, I mean, it's it's the Big Ten. It's the game of the year. I actually think football-wise, that's the game of the year in the Big Ten because it tells us so much. Ohio State, Michigan is its own beast. Ohio State, Penn State was good, but I think this Michigan finally playing somebody and being so late in the year and doing that, uh, who you got? You saying game of the year so far or like more game of the year than Ohio State, Michigan? I think Ohio State, Michigan is its own season on its own. So, like, I don't even consider okay. it. So, like, I would say right, Penn State okay. is game of the year. All right. I, I have Michigan in this game. Um, I, I just think they're going to be 11 and 0 when November 25th comes around. I think that as much controversy has been surrounding the program, uh, I still think that they are very talented. And I, I just don't see that this defense will be giving up more than. 20 points against Penn State. I don't even think they'll be able to 20. I think it'll be like at most 17 to give up to Penn State. I think Michigan's going to win the game 23 to 20. And so I've got Penn State covering. So I'm glad you said that, that they might not give up at more than 20 because then I would we would sound very dumb against each other there um, if it would have said, said anything else. Uh, yeah, that's – it's going to be fun though. That game is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to tell us a lot. Uh, about these two teams and about where Ohio State stands in the pecking order because we saw Ohio State against Penn State. We're going to see Ohio State against Michigan. Last but not least, Andy, can't get out of here without saying it. Uh, happy Veterans Day. If you're a veteran watching the show, thank you for everything that you've done uh, for the country. Really appreciate it. I think there's a couple veterans watching for sure, though, this weekend. Spend some time with your loved ones. Just tell a veteran thank you. It is Veterans Day this weekend. Do not forget to do that. Uh, obviously, we appreciate everything that they do. Absolutely. For Andy on the other side of that screen, I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to Letterman Live. We'll see you back here next Thursday at 6.30 to break down Ohio State-Minnesota, and then we'll have some information about the Ohio State-Michigan game because I'm not doing this on Thanksgiving night. But we'll be doing this still the week of Thanksgiving, uh, just not on Thursday. So watch out for that announcement. Until then, we'll see you guys back here next Thursday for the, the preview of Ohio State-Minnesota, and we'll see you in the horseshoe for Ohio State-Michigan State.